season two of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Chris M. was recorded on June 1st, 2023. Uh, Hey, everyone. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm uh, a member of ACA. I'm um, glad to be here with all of you tonight. Thank you for TD for uh, asking me to speak. And uh, and it's good to it's good to see all these uh, all these uh, smiling faces and be amongst friends. I. uh, I, 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 uh, you know, it's unsettling. It's funny, uh, earlier today, of course, in our meeting, there was, uh, we were, uh, uh, zoom bombed and that's the first time it's ever happened to me before. So I've been, I've been right. I've never caught COVID either. So I'm a lucky guy, but, uh, anyway, long story short is that, uh, when that happened, you know, uh, two, three times, boy, did I get a sinking feeling in my chest, <laughs> you know, boy, did I get scared somehow, boy, did I feel like, something that's special and sacred to me and important to me is being taken away. And boom, I got the feeling that uh, uh, people uh, Zoom bombing us are taking away something that's important. I'm powerless over them uh, to do that. And all those feelings came up in a flash. And, uh, but, you know, I looked around and there were adults in the room in this room, <laughs> there's people who volunteered to be of service. <laughs> there was procedures in place. There was order. People volunteered suggestions. And there was just a, that initial feeling of someone victimizing. There's the word. That's it. The v- feeling of someone victimizing us, me, uh, comes up so fast. It's just under the surface. It's always there. Uh, that, uh, that came up and, um, uh, but I'm grateful it went, it went away. The other thing, here's the other thing, the thought I had, which surely is not my own. It comes from recovery. The thought I had is, uh, well, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing. Maybe someday, let's say there were young kids that were doing that. Maybe, you know, they attended an ACA meeting, even if briefly, even if briefly, and it's just possible that the awareness that 12-step meetings exist online, it may be possible that they, at some point in their life, may need to turn to someone or a power greater than themselves or a group of people who are better prepared to handle things than their parents. And just maybe the time they spent with us may help them later in the future. Who knows? So. Uh, anyway, that's that. And uh, uh, so I also realized that one thing it brought up for me is that, you know, one of the things I did not learn as a child growing up in an alcoholic home was healthy activities. There were no, um, there was no one there. I, I, well, just to give it some context, I grew up in a, <laughs> an alcoholic home and uh, father was the alcoholic, mother was the untreated Al-Anon. And as I suspect, um, or my suspicion is that um, she's a, uh, she was an, um, 
a survivor of uh, sexual abuse as well in her childhood, throughout her childhood. So uh, I was raised by parents and my father, the divorce happened, he took off and I was raised five kids and one mother. So long story short, there was not a lot of time for nurturing, like weren't driven to baseball games or or activities or parties or events or things like that. And, and one of the effects of that that I'm working with today is that I did not have the opportunity or wherewithal to develop healthy activities on my own, to, to develop hobbies and um, uh, my interests and things like that. And uh, so when I, again, going back to the Zoom, uh, Zoom bombing that we experienced, you know, my heart it maybe just goes out to those kids that were doing that. Maybe someday they will learn healthy activities other than being destructive and things like that. Lord knows I did enough destructive things. Not really bad, but uh, let me put it another way. Growing up without adult supervision and encouragement to follow my interests, my learn and discover my talents and abilities, I was left to destructive behavior, but the destructive behavior was not necessarily towards others. It was towards myself and my thinking, my beliefs, things like that. So I'm sure you all can relate to some of this, and I'm saying otherwise we wouldn't be in this room together. But uh, how grateful am I that we are in this room together, that we can talk about these things, because I was uh, listening to uh, uh, a guided meditation that I follow every morning, which is pretty good. And uh, the, the theme from today was that, uh, you know, as, as people, we, it's been said that, um, that our income, for example, our income, how much we earn is reflected as like the average income of the top five people we spend time with. And by spending time with people who earn more money, we buy <laughs> association because we talk different, you know, they talk differently, they think differently, will also start to earn more. And I think the same can be equated to recovery. When I grew up in a home where there was nothing but fear, it was fear, victimization, uh, there was blame. Because, you see, when... We grow up in a home with so much chaos and turmoil and pain. If one of my four siblings was in trouble, that was good for me. That means I wasn't getting the attention. I was not in trouble. The anger, you know, it's like a lightning bolt, right? <laughs> lightning bolt, it hit some other tree, not the one I'm standing under. And uh, which is, you know, a horrible way to think, but um, uh but as I go through life now, when I spend time with literature in our program, when I spend time with people who speak and people who share and people who do service, the more I hang around them in these meetings, the, the my spiritual capacity, my um, sense of self-forgiveness, my empathy towards others, my kindness towards others also seems to rise as well. So so I think that every meeting I go to, it's kind of like I've always seen it as like making a deposit in the bank. You know, every time I go to a meeting, I just put a little bit, I hear some little thing. I read some little thing. I get some little thing. And it's like a little deposit in the bank. And then one day when something happens with work or my neighbor or my family, I'm able to make a withdrawal. I'm able to take some of that 
built up recovery that is stored inside of me and I'm able to spend a little bit in whatever situation. So, um, uh, so again, it's really good to be here in these rooms and to, and to be amongst friends. Uh, I'll just follow the experience, strength, and hope. I, getting back to my experience growing up, I mentioned that I was, I grew up in a, a household that uh, raised by my mom, untreated Al-Anon, who actually died. You know, she was, um, it's funny in our family, both sides of my family, both sides, uh, no matter how much alcohol or tobacco they shoved down their throats, they all live forever, like into their nineties. I had a weird, thank goodness for the good genes. I, you know, see, there you go. I inherited good genes if nothing else. And, uh, and I can either live a long, long, miserable life, or I can live a long, long recovery life anyway. So, um, but my mom passed away early because she just, you know, she was untreated Al-Anon. And when you take on the, uh, when you take on the weight, all the weight and concerns of others and, not enough self-care for oneself. One, one, one doesn't last long as they should. So, uh, so I grew up in a family with uh, under those conditions, and um, and I found this in the uh, in the Big Red book, uh, in the Big Red with all my all my uh, yellow markers. Uh, the guilty feeling we encountered when standing up for ourselves. See, because when you're when you're one child of five in a household that's not getting alimony or child support payments there was not a lot to go around so one of the one of the lingering effects of the wounding in my childhood was that you didn't ask for things my mom was overtasked and god knows she was sacrificing and we heard about it sacrificing everything she could you know nothing for herself so when we'd ask for normal things as a as a child it was met with such anger and such shame and and uh, and so the lesson learned is don't ask for what you want. Don't 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 you know just don't ask for what you want. Anyway, the guilty feelings we encountered when standing up for ourselves have their roots in not being allowed to ask for what we needed as children. Judging ourselves, see that's what happens. It goes out. It comes back as judgment and shame. Judging ourselves harshly comes from abusive and hypercritical parents. As children, we went without basic needs or praise. We were vulnerable children, but we were shamed when we expressed a legitimate need. You are so selfish, your parents said. Do you ever think of anyone else but yourself? Do you think I am made of money? So that's the environment I grew up in. And while our needs were, our you know, our basic needs were always met, uh, there was always just a total fear around um, not having enough, not be, which translates as an adult as not being enough. And, uh, and so that's the home I grew up in. But fortunately for me, I was, uh, I, as a middle child, you got to, you kind of got a chance to see what was going on with the other two. So as a middle child, I just um, made a decision. I was going to get out of there as soon as I could. And, uh, and when I was 18 off to college, I went any college, you know, just, just take me. And, uh, and, and then I started my life. I started my life. And, um, and I, and I just want to say in regards to my family, I got out, it seemed whoever got out fastest turned out the, turned out better. Those that stayed the longest in that toxic environment of, of wonderful people doing the best they could with the tools they were given, those that stayed the longest didn't fare that well. So anyway, that, that, was, that was where I came from. The strength, the strength that I find today is uh, comes in gratitude. 
it comes with gratitude. Boom, instant strength. You know, I, I when I wake up every morning, I just um, I got this thing. I, I I found when I was driving, I was gripping the uh, handle of the car. You know, there'd be a lot of tension. Not with driving, just like thinking, where am I going? What am I doing? And I could feel the tension in my hands. And through recovery, I thought, hey, why don't I just take a breath and why don't I just express gratitude? And I, st- and I said, instead of gripping the handle, because, you know, that's like that's like life anyway, right? Uh, <laughs> we, I go through life with my hands white knuckled on the steering wheel of life, only to find out after a while that the steering wheel is not attached to anything. You know, it's like, I think I'm in control. I have the illusion of control. God's in control. Um, but anyway, so being white knuckled, I thought, why don't I, whenever that happens, why don't I slow down? And why don't I just count on my fingers, the 10 things I'm grateful for today. So I do that a lot whenever I feel the tension in my hands. And I'll always say, you know, thank God for a warm bed and a roof over my head. Thank God I have, I'm grateful I have food to eat. I'm grateful that I have a fellowship I belong to. I'm grateful that I'm aware of my weaknesses, but I'm also aware of my, I'm aware of my wounding, but I'm aware of my strength. And I'll just go like that. And the moment I do that, by the time I get to six, seven, and eight, nine, and 10, it's like, man, I could just start counting on my toes because there's at any given time, what I want to impart, what recovery helps me see is that at any point in my day, I am always, I always have more blessings than problems. I always have, no matter what my mind tells me. And that's the, that's the crux of it. It's what my mind tells me, what my hurt tells me, what my feelings tell me. So by going into gratitude, my strength comes from gratitude. And, uh, and that's something I can have right away. The other strength that comes a little more slow uh, comes from working the working the books. You know the um, uh, you know the the traits, the fourteen traits, and the step book, and the and the parenting uh, the reparenting guide. Those are the that's the that's where the real strength comes from. And I have to I have to fess up. I'm not doing the work. You know, I'm not doing the work. I'm going to meetings. I'm getting a little bit of relief, but you know, like they say, the the relief comes from using the tools, but recovery comes from working the steps. Right? I can get relief, use the tools. I can pick up a phone, call someone. I can use the tools of meeting. I can use the tools of reading, the literature, but it's uh, and that gives me relief. But recovery comes from working the steps. So I'm stuck on step eight right now, and I think part of it is I. I know, see, again, here's where my will comes in. I'm stuck on step eight because, well, my will is taken over. I know that I have to apologize to my family members for, for my transgressions. The problem is no one's ever apologized for anything ever in my family because, you know, it was just weakness saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, just weakness. And that, and that exists to this day. So, I, I'm stuck on that, and um, and uh, but I'm not going to get past it uh, until I actually do the work. You see, someone said to me, "I see our the way I understand it, our program is different from a lot of twelve-step programs. It is different, and, and 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 you know we're different people. And 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 what I mean by different, you might have heard this before. Uh, you know, alcoholics they say their disease is like a tiger." in a cage. You know, alcoholism is a tiger locked in a cage. They can never let 
the tiger out. The food program, I have friends in the food program, and they say, well, you know, that's hard, but we got it harder. Because for us, the tiger's in the cage, we have to take it out three times a day and put it back in the cage. You know, and uh, and yet with uh, ACA, there is no cage. There's no damn cage. There's it is always something within us, and and that's the difference I see in this program. A lot of other twelve step programs are don't do programs, don't drink, don't eat, don't drug, don't gamble, don't sex, don't compulsively you know. Um, code of don't, don't don't obsess ours it's not a don't do program it's a do program the way i understand it a lot of programs are uh uh about compulsive activity a compulsive behavior compulsive activity my program as i understand in aca it's a compulsive inactivity it's compulsive inactivity that keeps me where i'm at what does that mean? Uh, compulsive activity, I don't stand up for myself. Compulsive activity, I don't express my self-worth. Compulsive activity, inactivity, I don't play and have fun. Compulsive inactivity. Uh, and for me personally, that's affected me in my earning, in life. The way that my ACA issues show up is in my earning. Because if you think about earning, and finances, the way we do this, we have to express our needs. We have to ask for what we want. We have to go to a authority figure. And we have to stand up for ourselves. And that, if you look at the dynamic of ACA, is really difficult. And, you know, uh, corporate America, I mean, if you look at the way corporations uh, from, from the psychology, it's set, up, it's set up according to what we all know. It's set up like a family. You have the owners who are the parents. You have the managers who are like the older brothers and sisters. And then you have the kids at the bottom kind of fighting. And uh, so it's the same kind of structure. So that's where it's affected me is a compulsive inactivity to ask for what I want work harder and work harder and expect a return. So these are things I still struggle with today of uh, my own asking for what I want and um, and uh, and I'm grateful for the awareness that I get in this program as a result of how my ACA issues are showing up in life. And uh, so that that's the so the strength I get is working, the books, which I've done, you know, I've, I've done a couple, but I'm just stuck on those darn steps. And and I'll just finish with this. It's like, uh, you know, my first uh, sponsor in another program, his words ring in my head all the time. And he would always say, he'd say, Chris, if it's difficult, all that means is that you're not asking for help. If it's difficult, if what you're doing is difficult, you're just not asking for support. It's like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Because I think that Google has got the answers. You know, isn't that funny? I, I put more stock in Google to give me answers and to help me out than I, you know, than I trust and that I put in people. So I think that's the biggest, you know, you know what? There you go. That's what it is. That's why, that's why I'm stuck on eight because I'm doing it by myself. You know, I was in a group, you know, which I really admire the group, uh, uh, the group study, but I, like I say, I stopped. I got stuck on eight. The group went on 
And so I'm all by myself. So there we go. That's why I'm not working step eight because I'm doing it by myself. Well, there you have it. There's no way I'm going to get there on my own. Boy, it took me all this time to come here tonight to talk to you to figure that out. <laughs> Apparently so. And uh, so anyway, so isn't that funny? It's so a friend of mine, Benno, he's always fond of saying, you know, it's not the thing. It's the thing behind the thing. That's the thing. I don't have trouble working the steps. I don't know. I can read English. That book's in English. I, I have a more than a fifth grade education. It's not the thing. That's not the thing. The thing is asking for help to work the steps. That's the thing. Asking for help to work the steps. That's the thing. So anyway, uh, let's see. Um, you know, I think I'm going to talk about um, uh, I think there's one other thing I just wanted to mention. Uh my hope, you know, one thing I do is I do uh, from the Big Red book on page 149, there's the ACA third step prayer. So I have a little plaque, you know, I put by the bed. So I wake up and, and I see this every day. So God, I'm willing to surrender my fears um, and to place my will and my life in your care one day at a time. Grant me the wisdom to know the difference between the things I can and cannot change. Help me to remember that I can ask for help. I am not alone. Amen. That's the last sentence in that. Help me to remember that I can ask for help. I am not alone. So I read that every day. So my um, my hope going forward is that I really identify uh, my unwillingness to ask for help, that I could somehow change my expectation, somehow that I could. Um, reframe that uh in a better way and um and not only ask for the help i, I saw this in a what was it there was a there was a tv show that was really popular that ended a few nights ago and and one of the characters one of the characters in this tv show who was very gruff and emotionally shut down and uh uh asked a group of other people What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And can people change? And a lot of people went around and, you know, in the script and they said, well, you can do this and this and this and some things are funny. But the final person, the one that finished said, you need, said Roy, you need to learn how to ask for help and then accept it. And everyone on the TV show went, or on this, all the characters went, ooh, something so simple. And uh, so I see that because of recovery. I see that. And uh, so my hope going forward is that um, I can recognize that in myself, that I can um, ask for the help I need, and that I can work through that the next time we're together or you see me, you'll hear me state that, uh, you know, I've gotten through step eight and and nine. And of course... And here's the biggest thing about that, you know, as as anyone that's worked the steps may have may have heard, step nine, you know, made amends to those we are made an amends to those we have harmed, made direct amends to those we have harmed, except to do so to harm them or others. Uh, any good sponsor worth their salt will tell you, yeah, okay, that's good, but you know, step nine starts with us, right? It starts with forgiving ourselves. 
it starts with forgiving ourselves. And perhaps that's another place that I'm stuck. So, but but like all of the things, I will not solve that myself. So my my mantra going forward in this new month of June, happy June by uh, by the way, everyone. My mantra going forward <clears throat> this month is to um, uh, ask for help and accept the help that I receive. Uh, you know, there's one last thing I'll say on that. Uh, you know, I you know what makes it so hard. You know, <laughs> you know what makes asking help. Asking for, oh man, this is so true. The one thing I think that makes asking for help, oh, I really need to think about this. The one thing that makes asking for help so hard is this. Whenever in people in recovery, whenever I ask for help and they've and they've offered suggest, experience, strength, and hope to me, it's always hard for me to digest because it's the last thing I want to hear. It is the last thing I want to do. Think about that. Take any of the steps. We admitted we were powerless over our, our, our upbringing and our lives have become unmanageable. Who wants to admit that? It's the last thing I want to hear. Last thing I want to do. Step two, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is totally contrary to my thinking. Last thing I want to say, last thing I want to do. And then step three, made a decision to turn my will in my life over to the care of God. Total contrary action. Last thing I want to do, last thing I want to hear. But if I hope to get better, maybe um, maybe I should release that, uh, release that resentment of getting advice, sorry, getting help from other people. Maybe if it would help me to realize, you know, they're going to tell you, uh, it's uh, what you don't want to hear, what you're not doing. Because like I say, going back to the steering wheel analogy, when I'm holding on so tight to my own self-will, to my best thinking that got me here, I'm white-knuckled on a steering wheel that's not connected to anything. And so anyway, that's what I'm going to pray for. Hey, listen, I want to thank you all for letting me talk tonight. I've cut a little short, but I'm more just in this point of hearing what you have to say. And uh, thanks again for letting me share.